0: and good day everybody welcome on in episode 144 of the talking Friars podcast and youtube show ben fadden your host today with jim russell of extra 1360 we got a lot to discuss a little more than 48 hours from first pitch opening day padres diamondbacks in arizona you darvish on the mound first off though jim thanks so much for hopping on
1: yeah man appreciate it thanks for having me
0: yeah so before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs located at Peco Park during the season, uh, located in Point Loma, located in the sports arena, gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu. Uh, Joe Gaglione and those guys over there are great. So gaglionebros.com, again, to view their entire menu and to view the addresses for their locations and all that. So let's just get started. Uh, first off, before getting into Padre stuff, I did want to ask you a little bit about John and Jim how did that you know first how did creating John and Jim really start when did? when was that thought process you know when did that initially start
1: uh well it first started during the pandemic actually so pandemic hit season went on pause and as soon as we found out there was going to be 60 games uh we wanted to get into that space of uh, Padres talk Um, because we've been doing it for so long. Like I used to work for Padres radio for three years Um, when they moved stations. Like I helped get that thing on the radio on on the air there. So I've been covering Padres for decade plus while I've been in town. John's been covering them for six, seven years while he's been here. And so like, dude, let's get it. Let's get in that space. Let's do something Um, on extra 1360 after games. And so we just decided to do what's now the wrap-up show uh, for every single game in studio during the 2020 season. It was, it was tough. It was a grind. But at the same time, there was nothing going on because it was mm-hmm. the pandemic. Uh, so did that, and then it kind of blew up a little bit, and people wanted to hear more of it. So we did that through the 2021 season. Um, and then John and Jim happened when our boss came to us and was like, yeah, we're making some changes at the radio station. You guys have been doing good on the wrap-up show, and uh, we want to make you guys a show. So it was it was the easiest transition because in radio, sometimes they put you with just random people, and mm. you have to go, and there's really a, a no time to get comfortable. You have to get comfortable, like, on the fly. Um, but in this case, me and John, we were practicing, you know, and getting comfortable with each other for – A solid two years before we actually started John and Jim so when we started the show in January it was like we've been doing this for two years and there was no transition there was no awkward period there was no getting to know each other it was just basically the wrap-up show instead of for an hour for three hours and then obviously talk about other sports and other crazy stuff that I like to talk about and so yeah it's uh it started in 2020 but uh it's been good it's been easy and he's okay to work with.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. Is it a little bit of a headache to work with John?
1: Yeah, I hate the guy. Uh, yeah. I can't stand him. Um, his tofu loving, kombucha loving, um, Mountain West brackets, you know all that stuff. It's kind of hard to a handle. a
0: million bracketologists. <laughs>
1: right. Exactly. No, he's great. It, we. It's easy. Super simple. Um, There's some people in the business that uh, I mean, you can get along with them, but like as far as like a radio show doesn't work. And that's fine. Like nothing, not everything has to work. Um, and I, I've seen that with people all the time. They, they do radio shows where they have to just tolerate the other person. Um, even if they like them, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard fit. And, and that's the hardest thing in radio is getting a good fit with the other co host. If you have if you have a, a two man show, um, and for me and John, it was, uh, easy, simple. So we got lucky. Um, we're just started, so it's not like it's we're like ten years in. So you know, anything can happen. Knock on wood, nothing does. But um, so far, it's been it's been good.
0: Yeah. All right, let's get into the Padres here. Obviously, you know the Shamanaya trade happened, and that you know spurred a lot of questions about you know Ryan Weathers and Chris Paddock and who could go, and just feels kind of like where we were at last year, where it felt like there were a lot of or too much options that. Probably those starters probably won't – guys that probably wouldn't fit long term you know, in the rotation in terms of just the other guys that are in the rotation uh, in front of them. And so that's my question just to start off is, do you see now Paddock and or Weathers uh, being dealt sometime in the very near future?
1: Um, in the near future, as of right now, probably not. Uh, they need pitching depth. They want pitching depth. This team is scared to death of not having pitching depth. Um, and right now, you have a pretty good rotation on paper. Like, the one, they're one, two, three. I think you could match up with anybody in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe all of baseball. If healthy, Darvish, Manaya and uh, Musgrove. That's a pretty good one, two, three. The, the question mark in the rotation is Blake Snell um, as of right now. So because of that. and, and, and Nick Marte, expect really watch him last year. And, and I mean, it, Japan and, but spring training has been good, but because of the question marks with Clevenger and Snell as of right now, keeping paddock for that piggyback role, I think is what they're going to do. And they've already sent weathers down. Mm-hmm. Um So I, I don't, know if they would trade them right now maybe it could change during the trade deadline if they're in it and their pitching staff is good enough and they have extra pitchers where like they can afford to maybe give up a weathers for a missing piece um but until then uh i I don't see them doing it i know they almost pulled the trigger over the weekend with with paddock um but still his health is in question as well so as of right now i'm going to say they keep them both
0: yeah because that's where the thought the question for that comes in like with the paddock almost deal Mm -hmm. obviously they were willing to deal him uh, and they have some long guys that they can use if paddock does get dealt i'm of the belief that they should have paddock over weathers if you're going to trade one of them Mm -hmm. just because you do have gore coming up who's a lefty uh i think i think that definitely helps Uh, musgrove hopefully they extend and he's a righty Um, so those are just some reasons but i tend to agree i mean i just feel like preller's going to make a move one more move before opening day that just feels like the way that he is Mm -hmm. uh and he's already shown in history of doing that and so that's why it's just and then if there's a deal that does happen before opening day it feels like it's going to have pitching involved with it probably pitching going somewhere else
1: right uh I, at this point in time i don't think a big move would be happening just because you're so close to opening day i think if, i think the big move was going to happen it was going to happen this past weekend with the hosmer and the paddock and the dom smith and the sean Manaya and potentially something else because they would have freed up some money um to go out and maybe sign i don't know, conforto or whatever but because it didn't happen, and because they're so close to opening day, I think they're just gonna roll with it for right now. And once the season starts, I don't see any big trades until the trade deadline. Um, but it's Preller. Who knows? This dude could be making you know two more, three more trades tomorrow. Like it, yeah. this guy is is so unpredictable. He'll do it at like three in the morning, and we'll be all like, "Wow, didn't see that one coming." Because uh, Austin Meadows was traded yesterday. I know he that he's another guy that, you know, we were all talking about. Um, so, at this moment, I don't expect the trade. But, again, it's Preller. So, who the hell knows, man?
0: And that's part I guess that's kind of a good thing, him having, you know, us having Preller as our GM. It's like. Right. There's a good and a bad, obviously, with all the trades and deals that he makes. There's going to be a lot that don't work out, but then there's going to be some that do work out with mm-hmm. Musgrove and Cronenworth and guys like that. So, I guess part, at least for like us or people on the radio like you or people just passionate about Padres, whether it's on Twitter or whatnot, we always can think of these hypothetical, you know, trades and deals because right. it's actually realistic that something will go down it's probably not what we're thinking of but at least it's realistic that a po- that possibility could happen of a deal happening because that's who our you know general manager is and moving to the next uh, topic here with Mackenzie Gore he obviously finished uh, spring training his last start this past weekend on Sunday finished with 16 strikeouts three walks so obviously a lot better than uh, last spring when he was not finishing innings um, and so He had a .83 whip, and then Sunday, from what I saw his start, he looked really good. I think that, you know, the most encouraging part for me is that he was staying in the zone, right? The three walks that I mentioned, there weren't a whole lot of walks. And then even the grand slam that he gave up, like I posted a small video breakdown of it on Twitter, like how did that guy, you know, hit that ball out? Because the pitch was located where it was supposed to be, and he hit it out, so I'm not going to fault McKenzie for that. And so, that's just my big encouragement of him. I don't know what else is encouraging you about him. And do you think that he's going to make the roster? Uh, I think it's clear that he should make the roster uh, based on you know his the way that he's performed, and it seems like him and Niebla are working. And you don't want to send him down, put him away from Niebla, and all that. I do I do understand that viewpoint, but it, for me, I don't think that he will make the roster. Uh, but he, I think he should – or, like, he's earned a spot, if that makes sense.
1: Right. No, I, I agree with you. I think he's earned a spot. I don't think he's going to make the roster. Um, And the reason why is because five starts in spring, which he's been really good, is also just five starts in spring or mm-hmm. four starts or however many games he's pitched. I would give him a little more time um, to maybe build on his good spring against other teams in an on live action is not just spring action um but the one thing that i looked for or wanted to see in spring is exactly what he did and that is command make sure that you aren't walking everybody you have command and he showed that he struck out 16 walked three um his last start yeah he gave up that grand slam but overall he had a damn good spring like hearing bob melvin say the things he said about Mackenzie Gore makes me think if he's not starting the year on the opening day roster, we're going to see this guy very soon. And by very soon, maybe after the first month, maybe after the first month and a half. Um, but I can guarantee you, or at least I'm I'll, I'll guarantee that we will see Mackenzie Gore this year at some point in time, he will be up in the big leagues because he is a guy that I think this, this organization at this point view as a weapon because of the stuff he has because of what he's shown in spring training it's time he's he, it's it's time like if it's not now when and I'd be shocked if we don't see him this year that's why um I'm saying guaranteed we will see Mackenzie gore in the big league sometimes and, and if he's opening day roster he's on the opening day roster and that's that's amazing that's great um I just hope they they if he's on the opening day roster they use him as a starter not a reliever because yeah 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 they, they can't do what they did with Weathers last year and make him a starter and then make him a reliever and then send him down for a phantom, like whatever it was, and then bring him back up. And like, they can't do that with Gore. If they start Gore in the opening day roster or whenever they bring him up to the big leagues, dude's a starter, no matter what.
0: Yeah, and I think when you guarantee that he's coming up, I think I'm confident saying that as well because it's not like last year, right, where we were hoping that he'd find you know, his mechanics or his command. He has that right now. So I understand, you know, people that want to say, uh, you know, like like you were talking about that point that you made where he needs to go get more, you know, just get more experience down, more consistency, just for a longer period of time in the minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I guarantee him to come up because one, injuries happen. Right. But even before that is because we're actually seeing the results. It's not like we're hoping that he's going to find them in El Paso, you know, playing minor league hitters against right. minor league hitter, minor league hitters. We're actually seeing that in spring training on television and games. We're actually watching where, you know, like last year, right? We were watching those, some of those games, but then when he went to El Paso, we're not watching those games. We're just looking right. at the box score and we're like, Oh, Holy cow. He walked five guys and gave up five runs. Jeez. That's, and then he's now he's in Peoria all of a sudden. And now he's pitching in these backfield games that aren't televised. So, mm-hmm. for me, confidence-wise, I'm definitely on that same page with you because it's something that we're seeing. It's it's right there in front of us. Yep. Uh, moving on to the outfield, obviously, Profar and Beatty isn't the left-field combination I don't think anyone envisioned no. uh, You know, going into opening day. Uh, I, I've liked what I've seen out of Beatty for spring training, but, again, that's what I've expected to see out of him. I'm not expecting him to hit – 40 home runs or even start a lot like I think Profar is going to get that chance you know him switch hitting is definitely a positive Um, but my question about left field is who would you want who's your guy that you think AJ should go out uh, and get because obviously Meadows is off the board only making four million dollars this year didn't seem like the return was that huge Uh, Conforto I don't think really fits but there's a lot of other options. I like Tyrone Taylor. is not going to happen, but he's, you know, out here. Uh, I don't think Framel's going to happen. But who would you want?
1: Well, the guys that I wanted are all gone. Right. Um, trade options. I know Brian Reynolds is a name. He'll cost you a, a boatload to get yeah. him.
0: You got off I, that train. I've,
1: I've, I've argued that, you know, at times you, for a guy like Brian Reynolds like it, I think he's in in San Diego some prospects are you know time to time to part ways with some prospects but as far as the the, the outfield market goes it's very thin I don't see um, unless a team is just completely out of it at the trade deadline, we have to wait till then to figure out where like the outfield trade market will be. Mm -hmm. Um, But as of right now, I mean, it sucks to say, but like just going with Profar and Beatty and, you know, Grisham and Myers in the outfield is probably what they're going to do. I don't see any, I don't see many other options to, to, to be honest with you. And the only other option that would have made sense would be Michael Conforto, but that's all contingent on if they got Eric Hosmer off this team and a majority of his money went with him. Um, without that happening, Conforto's no chance in hell. Because,
0: and, and Scott Boris isn't going to help yeah. you. He likes dragging nope. this thing out. He, he's acting like Michael Conforto's Mike Trout. Like.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if they traded Hosmer, right, Conforto you could have gotten maybe – I don't know, like a one-year deal for a pretty high average annual salary. Um, and it's like a one of those prove-me deals. Um, but other than that, like, it's just at this point, who knows. And any other option out there, you're kind of just grasping at straws. So what they have now is probably, unfortunately, what they're going to roll into opening day with. It's not the best options. Probably, um, if you're looking at it, one of the worst outfields in baseball unfortunately, but, um, that's what they're going to have to do. It it is what it is at this point.
0: Yep. That's the motto. Yeah. Um, all right. I asked John the same question when I had him on last week on the scale of one to 10, how confident are you that Preller will be able to trade Hosmer before the deadline? Because that's the last time I think he's going to have the opportunity because of the 10 and five rights.
1: Um, I'm curious to know what John said. Uh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Oh, okay. Is it three? Okay. He said three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm going to go two. because <laughs> okay. okay. I was going to go two or three as well. Um, th- th- no one wants this guy. This yeah. guy is – if the Mets with Steve Cohen are like, yeah, we, we don't want to spend that money on Hosmer or we don't want to take on that money, we'll we'll pass after you almost have a $300 million payroll that should tell you something about how hard it is going to be and how hard it is to get rid of Hosmer. The, the I'll say, what I'll
0: say to that though, what I'll say to that is with the Mets though, I think they wanted to flip him and they didn't want him they didn't want Hosmer to say no to the next team that they would flip him to. So yeah, I don't know if it was hard. totally about the money, but yeah, I understand like Steve Cohen, he's he's throwing around money to Robinson Cano who I don't know if he's going to really contribute to their team this year. Right. There was talk about, you know, when Cano got suspended, Oh, maybe he'll just release him because he doesn't want right. to deal with the headache. Uh, so he's willing to just dump money all around.
1: Yeah, at this point, I feel like Eric Cosmer is just gonna be on this team forever. <laughs> I don't I don't see a scenario unless they DFA him where they can trade him. And you're never gonna get a, a good value. No matter what, you'll have to eat money. Um I do believe that if that the lock if the lockout did not happen, he would have been traded in the offseason because there would have been more time, the winter, the winter meetings, uh, the GM meetings. Um, I, I truly thought if there was no lockout, Hosmer would have been traded. But with the lockout happening, there was barely any time. They almost pulled it off to their credit. <laughs> um, but whatever A.J. Preller says and talks about Eric Hosmer being a part of this team, never believe him. He's a liar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he's not going to say, "No, oh, this guy sucks and we're trying to trade him. You want leverage still, and right. you don't want to just bash – He's already upset the, the clubhouse. I think that's pretty fair to say mm-hmm. uh, because they all love him. And, okay, you can love him. Like, I'm not going to bash Cronenworth or guys like that that say he's the best teammate ever. He probably is. And I've had one personal interaction with him. He was great. You know, but we're just talking about on-the-field stuff. And right. He's, he's, I say, I, I've said this probably hundreds of times this offseason already, you know, from the lockout when that was going on and now – he's made $80 million in base salary and he's made four he's earned four and a half million dollars of that in his first four years. Yeah. It's not good. He's, I just looked on fan graphs the other day. He's 24th among first basemen, at least last year in war. Like, so this is not a guy that you pay $20 million a year or $13 million a year to, which they're going to pay the next three years after this. So it's, it's all about on the field play. So it's just he's an
1: anchor of this team. Yeah. He, He might be the best teammate in the world but it's about winning and at some point you're gonna have to decide here and choose winning over feelings and that's how it should be in professional sports this is not collegiate sports this is not you know what the youth league whatever it is like this is professional sports where guys are being paid millions of dollars if they're not contributing and if they're not performing then they're gonna have to find someone else to do it because the only thing that should matter to this team right now is winning. And if anybody in that clubhouse, if Eric Cosmer was traded decides they want to not revolt, but just be like, uh, have a piss poor attitude. I'm sorry. That's not acceptable either because guess what? You can be friends with Eric Cosmer. If he's on a different team, no Mm -hmm. one's telling you, you, can't. Um, so it, it does. When I see quotes like that from Cronenworth about how he's the best teammate ever, that's great. That's fine. But He's not contributing to winning on the field. And that should be more important. Friendships, yes, those are gonna last forever. But like at some point, this team needs to decide is Eric Cosmer going to help us winning? And if he's not, which he has not, then we have to find other options to try to help us win.
0: They've and already decided that. They, I know. They, they've and, already, and, yeah.
1: and that's why I think Bob Melvin um isn't gonna take any crap from from Hosmer, if Hosmer's not hitting, if he's in a one-for-30 slump or a two-for-whatever, like you're going to see probably Matt Beatty. You're probably going to see Luke Voigt, or you're probably going to have Cronenworth move over to first because um, I I just have a sense that Melvin won't tolerate a guy over there making as much money as he is being the black hole on this roster that he is right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The closer situation uh, isn't solved right now, uh, right. and – That's another question, Mark. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it – I mean, we could be talking a few weeks from now and it's not really a hole, but it is a Mm -hmm. question that hasn't been solved yet. You have Robert Suarez. I guess Luis Garcia is supposed to throw tomorrow, so roster decisions are probably not going to – the whole roster is probably not going to come out till opening day, uh, the morning of, like it was, I think, last year. So who do you think will get that first – if it's not, if Melvin doesn't announce someone, who do you think will get that first chance? Uh, ninth inning, Potters are up 3-1 to one against the Diamondbacks on Thursday.
1: Um, well, first, I think at the start, you're probably going to see a closer by committee. So whoever it is on Thursday, if they have a 3-2 lead in the ninth inning, um, it might be different on Friday. But I do think if I were to pick one guy, on the roster right now to get the first crack at it. I would probably take Pierce Johnson. It's not like the sexiest pick in the world. Um, I I mean, I'm not throwing Pagan out there. Uh, Tim Hill, no. Chris Matt, no.
0: Stammon, no. I don't even know if Chris Matt's going to make the roster. Like, I'm seeing all these projections, and I'm seeing Ian Kroll and uh, Stephen Wilson on it and Chris Matt off because they're going to piggyback with Snell. And so they don't really feel the need to have Chris Matt.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be Adams. Uh, you know, Kevin Cops is a, is a is an interesting option, but he's a rookie as well. Like, are you mm-hmm. going to trust a rookie right away to close games for you in the big leagues? Um, Garcia's hurt. Suarez is another guy that I think is a, is a good option. But if you're telling me right now, just pick a guy to be the closer for Thursday um, if they have a 3-2 lead in the ninth inning. I'll throw my money on Pierce Johnson. Just.
0: Yeah. Like just that's because, yeah. 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 Just because, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's like, yeah, just let's just, you know, put names in a hat and pick one. Like, because right. you don't know what you're going to get out of Pagan. Hopefully it's better, more consistent. And he right. he says that he's, he knows what was wrong and that he's worked on it and all that. Uh, but you never know there. Robert Suarez. I like, I was big on Garcia. Uh, But then he's obviously hurt and he's throwing tomorrow. But I don't think that he would throw tomorrow. And then they just put him on the roster Mm -hmm. uh, with with how many times he missed, like, what, a week and a half, two weeks from not throwing, not pitching in games. So I don't expect that to happen. So, yeah, it's another question. Uh, I mean, there's questions all over the roster to different degrees. Like you don't really know if they're going to platoon at shortstop, which I think should happen with CJ being on the roster. Let's face it. He will with Eggy being sent down. They just don't have any other options. Who's a backup center fielder right now? Cause Abrams hasn't even had any reps there. Who's, is it going to be a platoon situation right. in left, but then profile switch hits as well. So is that really even a platoon opportunity? So it, it's just a lot of questions that, need to be answered but it's I just don't know when it's going to be answered because
1: well it shows you like it shows you how important Fernando Tatis Jr. is to this roster if Tatis is healthy the amount of questions you have with this team going into the season isn't as much like yes the left fielder spot is a question yes the closer spot's a question but Tatis with his 42 home runs that he had last year that you're now missing out of this lineup and the depth issue that you have like you don't have that, so it's it's like
0: yes and no though. Yeah, yes and no. Like, okay, that solves that one question. You have an you have an MVP candidate, you know, in the middle the, at the top of that lineup that make that doesn't make the lineup as bad, right? But at the same time, like, you don't know who your closer is. You don't know who your seven eight guys are then as well. Probably, uh, stamina will probably get chances as well with that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you don't know who's going to get real starts and left. You don't have a backup center fielder. Okay, what's gonna happen? I, I expect them to have three catchers in April, but what happens there? You don't know who really the backup catcher is after April. I mean, I would hope it's Alfaro, but mm-hmm. you don't you don't know. So yes and no, it does solve one question or a couple questions in terms of shortstop and then the lineup, at least being a little better, but-
1: A lot better. Still,
0: well, I don't know about a lot better. Like Tatis, yeah, he's great, but do you see the back half of the lineup? Cosmer, Myers, Nola, uh, Profar, like that's not too appetizing to me.
1: No. Uh the lineup today, I would probably say is the lineup you're gonna see on opening day. Yeah. Um, so you take out Kim, you put in Tatis. Um, that obviously helps. The yeah. back end of the lineup isn't great. I agree. But if you're throwing out a lineup with uh, you know, Tatis, Cronorth Machado, Voigt, uh, Gresham, like I can, I can, I can live with that, and, and yeah, the, more
0: than, yeah, of course, yeah.
1: Yeah, that that to me screams playoffs. The lineup right now screams maybe
0: playoffs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just a lot of questions. Um, Aj's in terms of Aj's offseason, I don't think it looks as terrible now with Martinez uh, being. It looks pretty good right now. Uh, when Clevenger come comes back, who knows what his role is going to be? But he adds a DH and Voight and. Hopefully he can stay healthy at DH and not play the field very much with the Beatty uh, addition. Beatty obviously is also an an addition with, you know, having outfield depth. Um, Suarez, we'll see what Garcia is, Uh, but the Melvin hire, obviously, and then not just the Melvin hire. I know a lot of people are touting the Melvin hire, but there's more to that, the snowball effect of that. Ruben Niebla, now you're adding not him, just him, but it seems like you're adding Gore as well in the offseason because Gore just wasn't the guy that he was before Niebla got here. So, where would you grade it right now? I mean, Manaya, I didn't even mention him. Uh, John gave it, I think, a C minus last week. I think he's what, C plus now? Is that where you're at?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty close. I I, I was at a C minus before the Manaya deal. Uh, if I had a grade now, like looking at taking a step back, and realizing okay, they still don't have a left fielder in the closer spot, but also looking at all the additions he's made with the budget constraint that he has had um in the offseason and also it also being a super short offseason because of the lockout. Um, I would I would have to give him a B minus, throwing in the Melvin, the Niebla, the Bradar, the coaching staff overhaul, which I think is a good coaching staff going into this season. Um, you know, Manaya, uh, was a huge acquisition on Sunday. I think he's going to play a big role on in this rotation this entire year. Voit, if he's healthy, he gets 500 at bats, that could become a, a steal from the Yankees. Mm. Beatty, I don't really see much from him, but he's a depth guy, so that's fine. Um, you know the bullpen pieces he got, they they may or may not all work, but um, one or two of them I think uh, could turn out well. Martinez deal. Uh, I think he could be a solid starter for the, for you this year. Maybe not like, you know, uh, have a three ERA, but if he gives you a, you know, three, eight to four ERA, like that to me, and, and he just eats innings, like he's consistently eating innings. Like that's what this pitching staff needs right now. Uh, um, And then the other move, like, I'm not going to put that on Preller. Like they were already here, but like the players that he brought in, I think have been all okay to solid moves um, with the Manaya move being the best one of, 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 of them all. So I, I would have to go B minus for, for Preller and it could all blow up in his face. You know, it could all really be bad. I think he still has a problem with constructing rosters. I still don't think he um, is great at it with, we'll have to wait and see because uh, he has not had a, he's not built a roster that has had a winning season, uh, since he's been a GM in a full 162-game year. So if this team uh, can pull off a winning season and make the postseason, I'll give Preller credit for that, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'll go B- minus right now.
0: What do you think it would take for AJ to not be the GM after this season? Because Seidler seems really uh, committed to him. hes I was kind of irked with his comments saying that it's not a, oh, we must win now mentality. Yeah. Like, come on, really? Like, what's the point of having Bob Melvin here and having all these guys here and making all these additions if you're not trying to win right now? Um, so what is it, missed playoffs? Like, is that, at least looking from Seidler's viewpoint, because us, it's probably a different viewpoint, but from at least Seidler, his viewpoint, where do you where do you think AJ would have to at least get to so he can stay the GM?
1: Man, um, it's a good question. I, I think to be putting myself into Peter Seidler's mind, um, I don't know if anything could happen, barring a collapse like last year where Preller's gone, unfortunately. And I'm not saying unfortunately because I want Preller to be fired. Like I want this to work. I want the all these moves that Preller has made to finally pay off in a big way. I just... I just don't know, like if they win eighty three games this year, right? They'll be eighty three and uh, seventy nine, and they'll have a winning record for the first time under Preller, and say they may they missed the postseason by three games. I'm afraid that that will be viewed as a successful year from the front office standpoint and from Peter Seidler's that we're making strides after what happened last year with the with the injuries we had to Tatis, and you'll see other injuries as well during the season that you know we've built a good core here and we're on the up and blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm afraid that could be viewed as a good season for me. Good season in the way that Preller returns is put playoffs like that has yeah. to happen. Um, So I think that the only way that you see Preller gone after this year is if they have another season like they did last year where not that they start out and they have a collapse, because I don't see that happening um, if they just have like a mediocre average, always around 500 year and they end up with, you know, 70 or 80 wins or 79 or 80 wins. Like then I could see a, a point where it's like, you know, uh, this is not good enough. Uh, you know, we didn't have the, you know, the, uh, the good amount of depth on this team to survive. Um, I just am hoping that they do not use the Fernando Tatis Jr. injury as an excuse if this team does not make the postseason this year. Because that, 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 be, that can't happen anymore. I'm done with excuses. I'm done with injury excuses. No more. I don't care if this entire roster is all on the IL at some point. They have to make the postseason no matter what.
0: And you bring up the 83 wins and wherever that might be or whatever, how many wins they end up, if it's somewhere in that area. And then comparing it to last year and saying okay yeah we're making progress i don't think it's that doesn't make sense to compare it to last year because last year you had jace tingler as the manager Mm -hmm. because last year you had just larry rothschild as the pitching coach not fixing mckenzie gore you had mckenzie gore not even as an option you have you didn't have luke voigt you didn't have a dh so you have all these added things that are showing you that look we're going all in here. And then if it still doesn't work out going and comparing it to last year, that just doesn't feel like an apples to apples comparison.
1: Right. I I agree with that. Um, But they talk a lot about the collapse of last year and that it was once in a million collapse. And, you know, um, they just can't be anywhere close record wise to where they were last year. It just can't happen. And I, I I think um, with the roster that, They have now if they make the if they make the postseason this
0: year,
1: like I got to put the teams because not having an MVP candidate, having holes all over the place, having depth issues, having no closer, um, having Eric Hosmer as your first baseman, like that's going to take a good managing job. And I do trust Bob Melvin to to be you know in the in contention, putting this team in contention for the postseason. Um, because he's that good of a manager,
0: right? And you, know, you talk about the once in a million collapse that they were, you know, Seidler said and you know talking about last year. Okay, if it's a once in a million collapse, then you can't compare this season to something that happens once in a million. Like right. that, that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, moving on here to some bold predictions. You said, I think on extra, what was it? Your what were your bold predictions? You said Melvin Manager of the Year. What else?
1: I said, uh, Bob Melvin, manager of the year. I said, uh, Mackenzie Gore, rookie of the year. And then I said, Manny Machado will finish, uh, top two in NL MVP voting. So I think as well,
0: just say he wins. Then what's top two? (laughs) What
1: well, uh, top two, uh, I'm not going to say he's going to win the MVP. I mean, he's never been in, but if you're going
0: that far, like.
1: Well you know i want to i give myself some wiggle room there like I give I give a little wiggle room there top two is pretty good he's never finished he's never finished higher than third in mVP voting in his entire career yeah. so for him that would be a major accomplishment um i was gonna I'm just holding off on saying he's gonna win the mVP because there are there is still a little bit of for whatever it's worth some bias against Machado from some stupid reason yeah. um yeah. so he's gonna have to have an mVP type of year. It's either now or never. Like you are at your peak of your prime. You're missing your fellow MVP candidate. You have to put this team on your back offensively. Like you just have to. If he doesn't, it's going to be a struggle to score runs and to win baseball games unless your pitchy staff slides out. Without Machado starting fast, having a good year, being an all star, being one of the best players in baseball, playing 155 games, like. It's going to be tough, but I think that the time is now for Machado to really have a – not breakout year, but – for his career, but for the Padres, I think a breakout year for the Padres.
0: Yeah, and you talk about the pitching staff, even if it has a great year. Go ask Jacob deGrom how that works out. I mean, you still have to score runs. Right. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, All right, what do you think of my bold predictions here? I have Darvish, top five, Cy Young. What do -hmm. you think about that one?
1: I think that's a good one if he's healthy.
0: Mm, okay. Because he was
1: he was an all-star last year and yep. uh first half was really good.
0: Voight, at least thirty home runs. He has not done that in his career. So I think that's pretty bold.
1: That's bold. I like it. If he's healthy, gets five hundred right. plus at bats. I could see twenty five to thirty bombs, absolutely. And they, they they desperately need that from him. Desperately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like that one. It's good.
0: And then CJ. Rookie of the year, not Gore. I I go CJ because playing every day, I think versatility, going to play multiple positions. And I think he'll just – I think rookie of the year, do they – I haven't looked at historically, but it feels like they favor those position players over pitchers uh, in rookie of the year past voting. I know Kyle Lewis a couple years ago. uh, Bobby Witt's the favorite, obviously, in the American League. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes
1: India won the last year for the right. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: It just, yeah. I mean, for, for position players, they get obviously more opportunities, pitchers, it's a little tougher. Um, But off the top of my head and I haven't really researched this, I don't know any other rookies in the national league right now that are
0: like, that's the guy, you know? So Hunter green is a pitcher, I guess that could maybe be in some consideration. Yeah. But I'm just trying to, well, People want to put say, a Suzuki in there, but I, I don't, I can't really. Oh yeah, he's that. a rookie, right? Yeah, technically, okay. yeah.
1: Technically, he's a rookie. Okay, that that's another one that that could be in there. But I like those; those are good. Um, they're not too crazy. They're not like oh. Uh, this
0: one, this one might be. I don't know if this one's bold. This is my last one, uh, but I have Padres catchers combining for 20 home runs. <laughs> What's kind of pathetic, but last year they combined for 13. Oh my God. That's okay, that so just shows you like you'd think that a faro would help that, but I don't know.
1: So Nola had, I think, one or two homers last year. Yeah, he had
0: two home runs. And then Campisano, I think he hit one, or was that Barat- 2020? Teeny had
1: what, like, that was 2020. Okay. Yeah, it was against Oakland. Yeah. It was his first game up, and then he like broke his wrist. Um, I like 20 out of three guys, potentially four, right? It's just crazy how this team under Preller has not found an offensive catcher or at least a catcher that is competent at the plate in his time here. Um, Austin Nola, like everyone's like, Oh, Austin Nola can hit dude hit for like 20 games in 2020. Mm. I I mean, he's, he's injury prone. Um, I hope he stays healthy um he's another like emergency backup infield option for this team which is crazy to think about and i like alfaro he's had a good spring but can he take that spring training that he had and translate it into the season um we'll see we'll see
0: yeah all right last one here we i did over unders with john so i wanted to get your same ones um over under 89 and a half wins for the padres this year under. Under. Yeah. 120 and a half innings for Snell. Under he had, a, he had 128.2 last year. Under. Man, that's that would suck. Yeah. Five war a five war for Manny. That was his war last year. I think it has to be more than that. Over. But yeah, that's I I'm hopefully being uh not optimistic. really optimistic. Well, no, no, no. Hopefully. I'm just I'm just trying to be re- realistic. I think that yeah. he can do that. Like, if he stays healthy, and I know last year he dealt with injuries pretty much the whole year. I, I just – hopefully he can be more uh, healthy, you know, th- pretty much this year. I know he's going to deal with injuries, but hopefully it's not right. as nagging because I know that Dodgers series early yeah. on really roughed him up. Right. Uh, all right, 55-and-a-half, over-under 55-and-a-half home runs combined for Beatty, Profar, Myers, and Grisham. They combined for fifty-four last year. Oh my gosh!
1: Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under.
0: Dang, that's. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that because probably not by it, a lot
1: though. Like they, they can't get play every day, right? But
0: I'd, I'd expect. I mean, I'm not gonna go as far as John saying that Myers is gonna hit thirty home runs, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Mike, no. all right, relax. It would be such
1: a Will Myers thing to do, though, to hit 30 home runs on his walk year, and then everyone wants to resign him. And then once the Padres resign him, everyone's like, Why the hell did they do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's but I understand why the under because Beatty and Profire, they're not they can't play every day with each other. And then but I I feel like Grisham, that's like a key to this team. Like, especially when Tatis is out at the top of the lineup, like Mm -hmm. can he do something better than last year. Well, his key Uh,
1: is to stay healthy and to make sure he doesn't get into those stretches of where he's very streaky and by streaky. I mean like having one for 30 slumps, like he can't have that happen. He can be very streaky in the, in a positive way and be on fire. Like he has been at the end of spring training here, Um, Mm -hmm. but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be consistent and he's got to draw more walks. So that's, that's his key this year. If he does all that, I think he'll be good.
0: Yeah. All right. Last over under here, 80 and a half games uh, for Tatis.
1: Um, I hate to do this. I'm going under.
0: That's what I, I think that's what I said with John, um, because I, I think he'd have 84 games left on the schedule. If he missed the first three months on the Padres schedule, as it is yeah. right now. And yeah, this there's, thing, there's ain't, something this thing- in the, he didn't have the surgery. That's going to increase the subluxation possibility. And when him – I told John this, like, when he misses this much time and he comes back, there's no way that he's just going to want to limit himself. Like, he's going to want right. to go all out. It's hard to imagine where he doesn't get some nicks at some point.
1: He is um, – He's the three months that they, they gave the timetable for – that, always ne- that almost never happens in sports. They'll say, oh, he's back in three months. It's like maybe, tr- probably like four months. So yeah. he's going to need a ramp-up period as soon as he's able to do baseball activities. He's going to have to make a couple appearances in the minors. Um, they Depending on how his wrist is, I don't know if he's going to play short or if he's going to be a DH um, to, for the rest of the year. So I, I would probably put his number at around 70 to 75. Of games played this year, maybe around yeah, uh, I, around there. And if he can, if he can do that and give you his 2020 season, which was he had 17 homers and he had the OPS over 940 or 950 for the rest of the, that, would be amazing.
0: Yeah, and if he DHs, if he ends up having to DH a little bit, I mean, then you hope that CJ and and uh, Kim are playing well because then, yeah. if, if that's not happening, then I think we probably have an issue. Right. Um, and if he's DHing maybe that's a good thing if things are working out well and Hosper's not on the team and voids at first or something like that. And hopefully right. it's not because voids not healthy and they can just slide him in there you know, right. easily. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. This was fun. Episode 144. Of the talking fires podcast and YouTube show, Jim Russell with Ben Fadden here. Thank you everyone for listening and watching, watching on YouTube on replay or just watching on YouTube because this is recorded. Uh, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, gaglonebros.com view their entire menu. J- Jim, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.